guys. I hope you enjoyed the rapid fire portion with American Hodel. I love this guy's uh, humor, but also his passion and conviction around Bitcoin. So this discussion actually took place before the rapid fire portion. We just got on the call and started talking. We talked about how we came to Bitcoin. Turns out we both came to it in pretty much the exact same way. I'll give you a hint. It had something to do with DMT. Um, then we also talked generally about kind of politics and economics and what's happening socially these days. And of course, a lot more general conversation about Bitcoin. I really enjoyed this discussion. It was highly entertaining. It was just awesome to jam with somebody who, you know, shares so many opinions and uh, was just a real pleasure to speak with. So if you like the rapid fire portion, I think you'll probably really like this one as well. So enjoy. Let's do it. So I thought it might be fun just to sit down and jam for a little bit with someone like yourself. Totally. So obviously, uh, you probably know about some of the subcultures, I guess. I would call them, I would call them, uh, I would say I belong to the only rational sect of crypto Twitter, which is the Bitcoin maximalist. Right, right. So you're, you're fairly familiar with all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, it's, hard, um, it's, it's hard not to be. But I mean, I, so I, how long, I am as when, well. do, when did you start, when did you start getting interested in uh, Bitcoin? Well, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, you know, because you brought up kind of the, the, uh, the psychedelic stuff, the, the truth is, I thought. It's hard for me to remember the timeline now because I don't know if, if this makes sense in terms of, of price. But I do remember when Bitcoin, when there was a lot of like excitement that it it, it uh, met parity with the U.S. dollar. Like I remember, yeah. I remember that time, and I remember everybody getting super excited about it. So I was I was familiar with it prior to that, and um, because I came, you know, I have been a, a a gold bug for the last 20 years. I, you know, the whole spiel about fiat currency, Federal Reserve, central banking, all that stuff um, have, has been like, you know, I've always been rail. I've been that guy at the party that rails on about that kind of shit, you know, when I was younger. Oh, and, totally. And, totally. And uh, so, so naturally I was uh, interested in it when I first came up upon it. But I mean, I guess basically I, I didn't think, I, I didn't have the technical understanding to, to, appreciate it to the extent that I guess I now do and that you know many people do and I didn't have and as a result of that I didn't think it could kind of survive the various attack vectors that I had in my mind right so I, I still right, kind right. of felt that that you know precious metals were the way to go and so that that's what I was kind of stuck in that for a while but the, back to the psychedelics for a second my friend and I you know we'd been really intentional and kind of serious about uh, learning about psychedelics and, and pursuing those sort of experiences for a while. And, um, you know, DMT was one that we had not uh, ever experienced. And the Silk Road obviously was a place where you could procure. And uh, we yep. actually, we actually, I'm not incriminating myself here because we actually never did. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, that was another, that was, I guess, the second time where I encountered Bitcoin because he obviously had to, to, to get it to, to uh, buy things on the Silk Road. So that kicked it off and then um, bought it for the first time. Ultimately, unfortunately, in 2014, I started conducting uh, some of these interviews in 2015. Started with Bobby Lee because we were both in Shanghai at the time. And then it's been kind of off and on since then. Dude, I have a very similar story, actually. I uh, tried to go on Silk Road. By DMT. Really? <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, when my, my buddy came to me like a year later at the bar uh, and was like, dude, 
Bitcoin hit thirteen hundred, and I was I was despondent. I was like, I could have been, I could have been a multimillionaire. Yeah. What what the fuck? And I sat there nursing my beer the rest of the night, just being like, Oh my god, I missed I missed my one shot. Yeah. And then uh, you know, a year and a half later, um, you know, when the price cratered, I was like, Oh shit, now's the time when the price was around like two hundred bucks. Uh, and that's that's kind of how it kicked off for me. You know, I didn't end up getting DMT off the Silk Road either. And I'm curious about your experience with DMT because you know what's weird about it to me, man? It just came to me. A roommate I was living with at the time just brought it home. It was almost like I set my intention and then it just wandered into my life. Yeah. It was very, very strange. And I talk to people who have that similar experience with it a lot of the time. Yeah, man. You know what's funny? And I, I actually didn't even realize this when I was telling the story. I've, I still have never done five, or sorry, um, NN dimethyltryptamine. I, it's oh you did five meo i did five meo uh yeah ah. uh, with uh, octavio reddig who's a relatively well-known kind of uh i don't want to use the term shaman but a guide for five meo yeah no, and uh, totally what is, what is five meo like because i've heard it's very dysphoric did you have that uh, experience um man as you know these things are really hard to articulate but uh um, right right it was I mean, at first it was like a, just the come up was like a rocket ship. By the time you exhaled, you were just like, you know, and the G force on your body, like I I felt myself kind of caving inward just because it was so, it felt so powerful. Um, But I I always cringe at my own explanations of this stuff because it never does it justice. But, you know, it just, I, I understand that or I've heard that NN is more of a kind of a, a landscape emerges and you're kind of immersed in, a, in another environment where 5-MeO is, for me, was just completely dissolving. I mean, again, mm. this sounds super hippie, but you just kind of dissolve into the energy of consciousness, yeah. you know, and uh, whatever, you know. So for me, that was just unspeakable uh you know, oh, connection yeah. with energy, oh, yeah. love, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and it's so quick. I mean, like for me, my, most of my, uh, like pursuit or practice with this stuff has been psilocybin and, you know, that's like a three to five hour journey, you have time to work with it. But this is like, I think I was down in less than 10 minutes and, uh, it's just, you, it's hard to, uh, integrate afterwards. Cause you're just like, what, what, you to- know, what the totally. fuck what about, totally. what yeah, about I you? Did, I, I've never done MEO. I did NN dimethyltryptamine. It is exactly, you know, like, like same, same thing that everybody says. You can't describe it. You know, you've been there. Um, but it is very much like, it's like meeting the machine elves that McKenna talks about. Yeah. It's much more of that, that experience. And uh, to me, that was like a cosmically frightening experience, you know, and I, I think I went into it with too much ego wrapped up in it. And I, you know, I kind of had this idea that I think a lot of psychonauts have early on, which is like, I'm going to be like a like a spiritual warrior, man. And I'm going to, you know, and uh, that's just all bullshit. And then you get your ass kicked and you're like, OK, I'm yeah. just going to go into this like like a humble servant and and see what I can uncover. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at with it now. I don't you know, it's weird with me. I like don't smoke weed really, uh, you know, just every like three years. I'll have a big trip, you know, like a heroic journey or uh, do NN dimethyltryptamine or LSD <laughs> or something. It's kind of like just a weird, powerful reset that I find myself going back to. Yeah. Well, what did what did McKenna used to say? He said um, something about like, don't do it often, but do it like 
do it yeah. fully or something. Or I can't remember the exact quote, but it was right, something right, along right. those lines. That's why, yeah. When I, do, I take Rogan's advice, and when I do weed, I just do an edible and treat it like a psychedelic experience. Right. And I just fucking blast off. Have you ever gotten in the tank? With, really? With the uh, edible? Uh, you know, I didn't. I don't like the tank, uh, but it's probably just because I have a really hard time quieting my monkey mind. Yeah. Uh, so, it, like, it sort of takes over. Like, there's like a chatter going on the whole time, and uh, I just I'm not adept enough at practicing. And you know, I don't have my own tank, so I would have to get one and really practice a lot, a lot more often. Yeah, I, was I do just... one of the old, the old school tanks. Now they have all the fancy ones and shit all over the place. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I was in Amsterdam. Uh... When was that? Last year, I guess. Last summer, and uh, did it for the first time. I'd, I'd done the tank, you know, on its own several times, and obviously had done edibles several times. But combined the two, and um, I mean, it, it's it is you know I think Rogan's talked about this before too. But it is a very very powerful experience. I can't I can't I'm cautious about putting things in the class of the psychedelics because for me this you know the psychedelic experience is like. The quintessential yeah. mystical, I you know, I don't know what to call it, but yeah. it's the apex of whatever that you know, whatever consciousness is. It seems to be the apex of that, and uh, so what, it's not quite that, but it's extremely like uh, it's just a unique, compelling, thought-provoking um, experience. But more time, and I, I had a two-hour tank session, and I came out, and I was still, you know, a sack of potatoes, and I could barely, like, <laughs> I could barely pay my bill, and then you got to go out in the streets of Amsterdam, and have these tourists everywhere, and so that was not ideal, but uh, interesting experience. You know, it's, it's interesting how these things interconnect. Did you ever hear the story about Jobs when he was at Apple, and he would, he would walk around, and if he had a disagreement with an engineer, he would ask him and be like, Hey, hey, you know, John, did you ever do LSD? And the engineer would be like, no. And he goes, that's what I thought. That's why you can't see it. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and uh, Leary had a lot of that with the early internet, you know, where he was describing the internet in psychedelic terms. And yeah. I think he was largely right. And Bitcoin is a, another fractal uh, on top of that. Absolutely, you know? man. And just back to your, your previous point, just because uh, when you said it, you know, obviously it, it resonated with me because I'm the same, but I, I don't smoke weed either. And I do, I do one uh, heavy psychedelic trip a year. And it's like you said, it's kind of a reset. You review the year, how things go, what do you got to work on, what do you got to deal with and flush out. And uh, I mean, it really, I mean, loaded word, yeah, but it's, totally. a, it's, a, it's a spiritual kind of practice, you know, and I take it yeah, I mean, super seriously. I, I've, I've smoked weed, you know, for like a year straight and it kind of feels like you're in a abusive relationship or like a codependent relationship. It can and be. I it just can don't, be, yeah. Yeah. For me, it was at that time in my life. So I haven't gone back to it. Maybe it's, you know, now it's like here and there with friends and yeah. it's getting passed around. I do it, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. It sounds, yeah. sounds um, very similar to me. And but once I, I guess one, the more serious I got about the psychedelics, I think the, the more I wanted to leave the weed behind just because I don't know, psychedelics, you know, provide clarity for me, both in the experience yes. and subsequent yeah. and, and weed as, you know, as great as munching out is and laughing with friends and sex and everything else is like, I, it, I get cloudy with weed and I, I kind of don't like that. Oh, dude. And you know, it takes, I mean, DMT trips take, you know, I've had trips that took three years to fully integrate, yeah. it, you know, yeah, it's legit. Like it takes a lot of internal work to integrate these experiences because they're so, for, they're so foreign, yeah. you know, but I, or, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Do you know, do you know, do you know Donald Hoffman? Have you ever seen any of Donald Hoffman's work? No. 
So he's he's got this great TED talk. He's a professor um, at UC Irvine, and basically he describes you know reality as a graphical user interface determined uh, based on our evolutionary fitness, so our ability to reproduce. So everything we see in an, our our environment is like the trash can on your computer dock. Like that's just lines of code, but we view it as a trash can because that helps us navigate the computer space. Yeah. So we see things in our environment the same way in reality. Like we think we're seeing reality, but really he ran these sims in a, a computer with his team and the organisms that truly see reality go extinct super quickly. Right. So we've, we've evolved to not see the full picture. And then I think when you take, you know, these drugs, you're seeing the source code and you're just like, Oh shit, this is, this is too much fucking information, <laughs> which is why that's why you would never reproduce. It's yeah. too much to take in. You're like, I can't think about fucking right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, totally. And I think, I think McKenna or, or some of those old school orators on the subject even said that like, you know, part of, I guess the evolutionary influence potentially of psychedelics was like at low doses, like visual acuity and other things that made operating in the real world slightly more advantageous or gave you an advantage. Right. Um, but And at the high doses maybe help facilitate like kind of the evolution of the brain and art and language. But that, you know, at, at, at the super high doses, you're not you know, it, it, it had to be, it couldn't be the default state, I guess what I'm trying to stay, say, you know, it had to yeah, be exactly. short term access and had to have a powerful impact because, you know, that's not a place that you can practically spend a lot of your time, you know, a short amount of time exactly. infrequently. And that's where you do work and you grow and, you know, whatever else. Yeah. But it, no, it, totally. it is funny, man. The, you mentioned like the intersection of, of all this stuff and, I'm sure there's many reasons, but one has just got to be having an open mind about stuff, you know, and there is kind of interesting parallel because even someone who has that psychedelic experience, like, and I know they're all different, but let's just say breaks through for lack of a better term. Um, you want to bring, you want to tell people about it. You know, you want to tell your loved ones and your friends and you want to bring people into this and, and try to communicate that this experience is, that is what it is is, oh. is is available to people right but even if, oh yeah man and and i think it's bad it's the, i think it's, it's the same like yeah yeah exactly exactly but what i was gonna say is i think it's bad practice to try to like you can bring a horse to water but you can't make him drink right so i never like force it and i'm actually very mm. i'm pretty apprehensive about bringing anyone into that circle but even sometimes you know like even if you use everything is set up right and they, they take the substance at the right amount, the right time, everything like that. People can reject the experience. Like I've seen it. It's not just a matter of, yeah. of, of you know, chewing, swallowing it and the, the experience will be delivered to you. Like you've got to get out of your own way a lot for the experience to be able to be delivered to you. And the parallel mm -hmm. that I, I think you, you understand I'm making is like with, so with something like Bitcoin, we've all had those, those uh, conversations with people where, it doesn't really matter how rational or logical the reasoning that you're you're using is. It's just there's there's some form of a block and there's a closed mindedness or there's a whatever and it's it's just not going to get through. You know, like there's no yeah. in in that setting in that conversation you're having, it's not going to happen. Oh, totally, man. There, where there's a guy uh, like in the space. His name's Connor Brown, and you know he basically has a thing where he's like, people are going to be led to this by fear. And uh, that's probably, you know, you don't know you need the arc 
until the floodwaters start rising. Right. So I think that's when, when we're going to see the stampede. And those of us who, you know, are quote unquote part of the, the family, you know, like Noah's family going out to gather people, uh, it just doesn't work because people don't listen to you. <laughs> they yeah. think you're a stark raving lunatic, you yeah. know. It's interesting because it would seem that the writing is, is on the wall so much, you know, like these days, but it seemed like that 10 years ago too, which is why, you know, I was, yeah. I was interested in it then. So it kind of plays with you a bit. Like you don't know when, when it's actually going to be to such an extent that people really need to, to start paying attention to it. But on the other hand, it doesn't totally. really matter because, you know, Bitcoin is doing its thing and every, everyone seems yep. to benefit from that. Um, you got kind of, kind of, it's it's gradually and then all at once, you know. Right. And it's uh, that just seems to be the case. And it does. So yeah, you want to jump, jump into more uh, Bitcoin specific shit? Yeah, sure. You could, feel free to. You could use any of that psychedelic stuff if you want. It might not be. Oh man, uh, I'm, I I I usually just publish what I record. So if it's okay with you, I'm. It's totally okay with me. Mm, totally. Just put it all up. That works. But. Uh, I got a couple questions from you just based on, you know, my limited knowledge about you on Twitter. But yeah, I, I, I was going through your tweets uh, tonight and you, did you, your, your account got canceled for using the term Gaylord Fokker, which is obviously the name of the character in Meet the Fockers? <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I was, uh, I was arguing with somebody who uh, in his Twitter bio, it said he was a male nurse. And so I said, you know, listen, Gaylord Fokker over here doesn't think, you know, X, Y, or Z. I forgot what the argument was about, but uh, the uh, censors at Twitter were like, this is hate speech. My we God. must delete this man. <laughs> but I get, dude, I get deleted all the time because I go hard on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, but that, man, I mean, that, that seems egregious to me. I, 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 knew, I, knew, I knew things were bad, you know. I pay attention to the goings-on and, like, the bannings and the shadow bannings and all the crazy nonsense that's going on today around free speech. But, you know, invoking the, the name of a movie character without cha without changing it you know that seems a bit much somebody pointed out to me they were like uh you know the censors at twitter are probably so young they don't know that movie and i was like wow that's that really probably <laughs> is the case yeah that could be true <laughs> um you mentioned another thing that i thought was interesting i'll ask you about is you said you know something along the lines of you know you got into bitcoin for you know maybe kind of simple or not that you know, basic reasons, and you're kind of five years on, just beginning to understand the mind of Satoshi. I'm sure we all like yeah. kind of do that differently, but why don't you crack into that a little bit? Explain that to me. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, not to humble brag or anything, but you know, I've been I've been tested. I'm a relatively high IQ person, and I thought that when I came into Bitcoin, I was going to be able to very simply disprove it, uh, and I couldn't. And, you know, then I think that leads a lot of us down this rabbit hole where we start looking into the design of this thing. And we're like, holy shit, yeah. who's the guy who tight. invented this or, or the group or the girl or, you know, whoever. And, uh, man, Satoshi was just Satoshi was 100 years ahead of his time. I mean, he was a really rare thinker. I don't, I don't think we've seen somebody of his caliber of thought since maybe Einstein or. You know, even further back, yeah. uh, he reminds me a lot of Isaac Newton, very cross-disciplinary. Yeah. Real, it's, it's fascinating. And I love the myth of Satoshi. You know, I, I, I want to heighten that myth. You know, I, I just I love the fact that he's anonymous and the skill and the discipline. I like to think that he's still alive yeah. and that he's watching the, the project. And yeah, I uh, but we're never going to know. So it's 
I mean, and I, it's, fa- it's just a fascinating discussion, I think all around. Super. And I, and I like, I love that that is how it was created and kind of passed on to the world. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't think there was, any, there could have been a better way. And I just, I think even a part of me is like the mystique around how this kind of revolutionary thing emerged. It makes me even more confident in it. not because he's not around to be character destroyed or whatever, but just like in the annals of history, like it's, yeah, this seems right. Like this crazy new <laughs> right. thing would be, would be launched with this kind of mystique around it. Like not some, you know, known dude that, yeah, I don't know. It's just that, that, that mystique yeah. just adds to it for me. There was a quote, there was a quote uh, from the King of England around the time George Washington stepped down from power. And I think the specific quote is something like, you know, if he does that steps down, he will have become the greatest man in history. And I think what Satoshi does is a step beyond what George Washington did. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just crazy when you start to think about it. And, you know, and it'll be interesting to see if it evolves and changes over time. I mean, because, you know, the man, woman or group is presumably, if everything continues to go as I'm sure we both expect it to, going to be uh, an extremely wealthy individual. I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Satoshi's coins are always a mystery that a lot of people like to talk about. But, of course, the project is going to evolve. I mean, sure. some, of the brightest pe- some of the brightest people in the world are in this space. Do you know who uh, Ray Kurzweil is? He's yeah. a futurist. Yeah. Yeah. I, I once had a conversation with Ray Kurzweil when I was 19. And I just, it was the only time in my life, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy. And I, walked, I, I usually walk around and I'm a little more knowledgeable than other people. That was the only time in my life I ever felt like 30 or 40 IQ points below somebody. I saw that. And the I have, yeah. I, I, dude, I have that feeling all the time in Bitcoin. Yeah. I mean, some of the smartest, smartest people in the world are in this space. And uh, it's, it's a humbling every day to be in this space. Not just Satoshi, but guys like Adam Back, uh, Peter Willow, Peter Todd, like Brian Bishop. Yeah. The list goes on and on and on and on. Yeah, I've made a much more... Because my initial interest in it was from kind of the monetary aspect, libertarian, Austrian economics sort of thing, um, way back when. And, you know, because I'm not a technical person. So I, I, there's, you know, that's a, something I need to overcome when I encounter these things. But I've been making a more concerted effort to try to push my limits in that regard and get further into trying to understand the tech around it. Um, because, I, you know, I want to understand it. To as much as possible, to the extent possible, um, and I, you know, obviously that's a huge part. And and especially if I'm going to be speaking to people, you know, like it does matter the degree to which you understand the the specialness of the person you're speaking with. You know, in that mm-hmm. like having some appreciation that you know you, you're not going to understand the tech on their level, obviously, but just being able to realize like this person get something to a very high level and I need to, you know, kind of pay you know, pay lip service to that or, or speak with them in a way that recognizes that. No, totally. I uh, totally agree. The other thing, you know, something I, I sometimes do when I'm, you know, when I'm imagining this whole mystique about how all this got started is I want, like, I want, I, I try to have like a little movie in my mind of what he, you know, the creator's reaction was when like all the pieces finally came together when it was like, okay, I'm going to like, this is going to connect to this and this is going to do that. And that's going to support this. And it's all going to work together in this way. Like that when that final puzzle piece just slides into the corner and he like, or they stepped back from it and was like, 
huh, like I wish I could, you know, I wish there was a fly in the wall to capture that moment in history. Was it like a crazy eureka moment or was it just like, yep, this works now. I guess I'll you know, <laughs> right, right. publish it. Well, I, you know, I think that's um, it's one of those things in, in science that's uh, it's it's not the most, you know, the biggest discoveries don't come from eureka. I got it. The biggest discoveries come from, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> I think it. I think it was probably something, something along those lines. Right, yeah. and even the still the humility. I mean, even though I, it all made sense from a technical point of view, I'm sure he was still very. I'm sure he would be, at least somewhat surprised at the phenomenon that it's become. Right, at least his, oh. the way he was speaking about it would suggest that. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, you know, taking on the U.S. government is like firing a BB gun at a freight train. Right. So the fact that he actually did that and is in process of destroying the Death Star, I think that's <laughs> that would be surprising to anybody who made that shot. <laughs> sure. You know? Sure. Um, now, I saw also on uh, on one of your limited collection of tweets that now exists, but um, <laughs> that you're, you're into film, you're a filmmaker of some kind, and you were talking about kind of, wouldn't it be cool to make an, like an allegorical myth tale about this a la Avatar, but you know, related to Bitcoin and all the Bitcoin-related stuff? Right. Yeah. So I went to film school and uh, I have, you know, I have over a billion views online as a content creator, just on various channels. And, um, yeah, it's, it sounds like a lot, but then you like see some little girl who does makeup tutorials <laughs> who has ten, ten, 10 billion views and you're like, maybe I'm not as cool as I think I am. What was the, um, what was the content? Like, what was the theme of the content, the stuff that you did? You know, it's been all over. Like I've done sports commercials. Uh, uh, if you're into basketball, I did something that was pretty viral a little while ago um music music videos uh man it's hard to even describe describe how much it you know viral pieces yeah marketing things short films um you know yeah i I got to thinking about it it's like you've had the experience i'm sure where when we talk to people and you start you know you start explaining how the how the blockchain works or you get into the you know the specifics about mining or whatever it is their eyes just hardcore glaze over right um and you know, as they should, like, that's not how we learn as humans. We learn as humans via story. And if you think about something like The Wizard of Oz, which is a very simple allegorical tale about us going back to the gold standard, uh, you know, and the, the wizard is basically like the fed behind the curtain pulling all the you know strings and everything. That really resonated with people so deeply in the culture that that movie was released, what, 80 years ago, and I'm talking to you about it right now yeah. on a podcast. So, yeah. Uh, that, that's sort of the kind of thing we need in Bitcoin. And uh, I'm starting to work on it now. These things have to be really simple uh, in order to get mass appeal. So I'm trying to make it as simple as possible, which you know you've been in the Bitcoin space. It's fucking so hard to simplify some of this shit. <laughs> and still get it across, <laughs> like still get the kind of specialness or uniqueness about it across. Well, I think the main point is about scarcity, right? Because human beings... In- instinctively understand scarcity uh you know it's that's that's built into our epigenetic code yeah you know you're we're all monkeys on an island there's only so many fruit trees suddenly you have 30 uh pieces of fruit i want those pieces of fruit that goes that goes really far back to who we are um and i think part of the thing is bitcoin is one of the scarcest resources in the world and you're going to be trading your time for something that's just how it works so when you work a job you get paid in money you're effectively trading your time for that thing mm-hmm. um, for that product or service. Now, do you want to be trading your time? Your your, you know, this this is time you could be spending with your friends, with your family. 
uh, doing things that you love. You're, you're, most people are spending that time doing meaningless shit at some menial job, and they're trading it for pieces of paper which are being inflated by the elites. I mean, it's outright theft, and it's right. preposterous what's going on. Um, so getting that message into people's heads and making them understand that I think is going to be really key for, uh, help, you know, cause I don't want, I don't want to see just a bunch of rich people scoop this up and it's some sort of, I don't think any of us want to see that. No. I like, that's why I keep evangelizing. Cause I want to help normal people. Yeah. I want to help people in the third world. I want to help my friends and family who don't quite get it. Uh, I don't want – there's going to be a Pareto distribution. Right. People are going to be rich. That's just how it is. But, you know, it's a rising tide that raises all ships, I yeah. think. Yeah. So if we can get back to that world, yeah, we're going to have a much more prosperous um, existence. Yeah, and I, I agree, and I'll come, to, come back to that in a second. But it is interesting um, that although there's not anything like the kind of, you know, piece of content – short movie or what you were just describing and I think it's an awesome project to be working on but uh, I just watched uh, Money Heist tonight on, on Netflix like uh, season, <laughs> season two and I haven't I haven't seen it but it has a terrible name just yeah terrible. yeah it does and it's all it's all Spanish so you're reading the, the entire time which is you know a change but the, right. what I was gonna bring up is just that um, this idea of like people questioning the money for the first time is starting to seep into the culture. And basically the big dramatic scene at the end of, I guess, season two was it was, you know, he was making the case to someone like the, one of the cops or something like that, or might've even been public, but just that they were, they were stealing money by printing it from the mint. Right. And so they printed, right. let's say a billion dollars and they, they steal it. And to them, it's like a, relatively victimless crime they didn't hurt, hurt anybody they didn't actually take something from anybody and then they he goes on this big spiel about how uh, in 2012 the ECB printed 182 billion euros out of thin air um, and gave it right to the banks and called it you know liquidity injection or quantitative easing or whatever terminology they use mm -hmm. and you know he was obviously framing that in in the context of an enormous injustice and a much larger injustice compared to, you know, what, what they were trying to pull off. And so like 10 years ago, I, at least from my point of view, the, the, the content that I came across, you know, again, like I was that weirdo at a social function or at a gathering, you know, whatever, holding up like a paper bill and being like, you guys know what this is, right? Or more importantly, what it <laughs> right. isn't, you know, but, but I, the, so many people just, you, you, the status quo is so powerful that you, you don't, you know, you don't question it. And money is like one of the major unquestionables, but now it seems to be seeping into the culture that people are starting to wonder. And obviously it's, you know, Bitcoin bears a lot of the responsibility for that because just having it exist creates that contrast that forces people to look at them and be like, well, how is that one different from that one? Whichever one they're looking totally. at, you know, and then they, they, maybe they go down the rabbit hole and maybe they don't have the time or whatever. Yeah. That's a big, no, that's a big thing. That's a big thing I think about, man. I always think about just like somebody's abuela who should be able to store her digital gold under her digital mattress without having to go, you know, swim with the sharks on wall street. I think the system we have is immoral and it's, you know, created a rigged game for smart people to get ahead. And listen, I'm one of the smart people and I'm going to get ahead no matter what the system is. That's just how it is. But I want to save everybody else. Like I, I don't, I don't like participating in this fraudulent system. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, now you reference kind of the what could what what kind of a society and culture we could have if we you know if something like Bitcoin or Bitcoin ultimately became widespread. And you also mentioned in a tweet kind of the golden era of civilization that Bitcoin may usher in. And I think, again, all of us that are in this space probably daydream about the different ways that it will have positive impact on on society and culture and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what are your kind of your initial thoughts on how that will unfold or what it would look like? The things that would affect first, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be something that none of us um, can fully conceive of. But I will tell you that Bitcoiners think very differently than statists. You know, there are a lot of people who think in terms of top-down architecture, which is I'm going to go and I'm going to put in this beautiful, elegant system, and you know, it's it's the it's the mortgage market from the last collapse, and it's never going to fail because I'm so smart and we're so smart. And uh, that's not how Bitcoiners think, because when you do that, you can't account for black swans. So what we're the system we're designing is an emergent system where, you know, individuals emerge upwards with new ideas, new innovations. I mean, that's free market capitalism. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with capitalism. Capitalism is beautiful and natural and it drives human progress. There is something wrong with cronyism, which is what we experience now. And I don't think any of us want to see that system. So it's very hard to predict what's going to bubble up. But I know that when you have a solid foundational base for people to work from and plan for the long term, that you're going to see things like think about America versus the third world. We have a very stable uh, government and we have a very stable currency. Now, we can get into a big conversation about why that is and the trade offs, you know, the war and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, yeah, that's all real. But having that solid base has allowed America to be the most innovative nation on Earth. And uh, that's just an undisputed fact. So I think we can give that to everybody. The innovations we're going to see are inconceivable. Yeah. I don't even know what people smarter than me or more uh, ingenuitive than I am can come up with. And I'm just excited to you know see what happens. Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, I, I like I said when I when I do those daydreaming sessions or when I get caught in a daydream about imagining this stuff. I mean, it's it's really exciting just to to. If, if we have this kind of a world, and obviously the world is super fucked up in many ways, but also it's it's great and in many ways. And if if this is the kind of a world that we got from a highly flawed, you know, monetary standard, let's say, um, it re- it's really interesting to to think about what might come from a far better, like you said, base on which to build society and culture from. I mean. Yeah, I think again. I think yeah. that's, that's why we're part of the reason why all of us in this space are are so excited about it. I think healthcare is a great example of this because I mean, you know, we could go on and on about the sick care system we have, and you know, it's not the people that are working inside of healthcare that are to blame. It's just the system itself is fundamentally flawed, yeah. and everybody has uh, malaligned incentives. You know, because I talk to really smart doctors all the time. I have vested interest in healthcare. I talk to smart docs all the time who are really trying to fix the system, but they're running up against all these entrenched interests and they just can't. They don't have time to, you know, they're being ground down by the busy work that's being foisted on them by, you know, I don't know if you know, but there are these systems called 
EMRs or electronic medical records. Um, And that's why when you go to the doctor nowadays, your doctor just stares at his computer and doesn't talk back to you because he's too busy. He's too busy filling out paperwork. And this Right. And this EMR is basically a glorified cash register with some patient shit tacked onto the back end of it. Yeah. Um, and I would I just like to see all of this demolished because it's so uh, terrible and we've stalled the engine of progress. And yet we're all patting ourselves on the back like Peter Thiel uh, Founders Fund. Yeah. His saying is uh, we were promised flying cars and we, instead we got 140, 140 characters. characters. Yeah. Right. It's like Twitter's great. But where the fuck are the flying cars, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then you got people like Elon that are like, oh, hold my beer. I'm working on it. Um, right. And people, people are, uh, people hate Elon. Like half the that's, people that's, hate Elon. That's so and fucked want to up, man. Him into oblivion. I'm, I know. With, I mean, with Elon, I'm like, I want to root. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, Jesus, you, dude, I hope you got failed, security. Right? I hope, you know, like you don't fucking die in a plane crash. You're, you're probably taking like 20 flights a week or something like just, you know, play it safe, brother. Totally. The day the day Elon dies is going to be a sad day. Oh, don't even say it, bro. Don't even say it. Yeah, he's like it's. Hopefully, it's many decades in the future. But you know, he's our like Henry Ford. Yeah. I mean, on steroids. On steroids. steroids. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But one of the things you mentioned, man, it's like, and actually, these are two things. One that's I see a lot more now that I'm kind of starting to dip my toes into crypto Twitter more. That people are starting to realize that like being involved in and. Uh, learning about Bitcoin like has a lot of spillover into other elements of your life. Like you were relating it to the healthcare system and the way people relate and treat their healthcare, right? And I think like, mm-hmm. I, and I, I haven't kind of fleshed out specifically maybe why this is the case yet. There's a couple like obvious reasons, but fully, but you know, why when people start to like really take responsibility for their, you know, financial sovereignty or you know, that, that sort of thing, then maybe they start questioning sovereignty and other elements of their life. And like, do I have health sovereignty if I'm stuffing my face full of shit all day long? Or do I have, yeah. you know, and whatever, whatever kind of the, whatever category we're looking at there, but it really seems like, you know, people that come into this community and go like, go deep, it starts really filtering out or bleeding into other areas of their life. Totally. Personal responsibility is, is the new counterculture. And, uh, I love that. You know, no, did you, did, no offense. No, that's, I've, that's just being thrown around, around on Twitter. It's not definitely not mine. That's every idea is stolen. Every idea is stolen. <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, no, no offense to, you know, our parents, but they, they never had, you know, I would ask these questions when I was a kid, you know, how does, how does it work? How does the Fed print, et cetera, et cetera? Really? Because my, my father was, was a lawyer and we would have these kind of conversations at the dinner table. And I never got any answer back that was anything other than trust the government, yeah. which is is just to say trust other men elsewhere. You know, it's like the cloud is someone else's computer. Yeah, well, the government is just other people, Yeah. right? Like why should we trust other people when we have the ability now to be fully self-sovereign? Yeah. And sovereignty is is scary, you know, because we come from super soft times. I'm sure you had this this feeling the first time you made a Bitcoin transaction, which is like, wait, I'm just sending digital cash out into cyberspace. <laughs> what happens if it gets stolen? Right. Yeah. It's all on me. And then, uh, you know, the, but every transaction you make, you become more and more self-sovereign. I mean, I'm at the point right now 
where you can't fuck with me, dude. You know, they can put in they they can put in laws wherever the fuck they want. I have enough money and social mobility to move anywhere in the world where I find a favorable regulatory climate. Right. You know, what are you what are you really gonna do to me? Yeah. Like, and I'm I'm willing to lose everything. You know, I'll tell you, I have a lot of my personal net worth invested in Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, and I'm willing to watch it all go to zero just for the chance to change the system. How are you gonna how are you gonna beat me? When I'm that intolerant, yeah, you can't. No, I, 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 think, I think you're right. And there's thousands of me. There's millions of me. Yeah, you know, it's not just me. Yeah, and we, we, I, you know, everyone would be better served if not only you and you know whatever handful or number of people were impenetrable as well, but like that this kind of well, like you said, the personal responsibility piece applied to your your finances, your financial sovereignty, and maybe other areas. But the more you kind of refine that whole operation then yeah the the more independent you can be so like the ability yeah. to to resist and like i don't want to i don't like invoking the dynamic of like the people versus the government resistance unnecessarily like when it's not when we're not really there but it's needless to say like you don't even have the chance to resist any yeah. form of government's go- governance that you may uh think is unjust or for whatever reason disagree with if your entire every aspect of your life is entirely dependent on it. Your financial, you, what you use to your, your food, your energy, you know, er, like literally everything. And so, I, I totally agree with what you were just saying. But I will like defend the previous generation a little bit, just because. I mean, of course, they had many opportunities to maybe be more independent than than they were. But one, I, I was speaking with. Um, uh, ben from BTC Sessions yesterday. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He produced a lot of YouTube comment um, uh, yeah, yeah. content. But uh, you know, we were talking about. It's always fascinating to me the the individual change, and as a result of that, kind of the emergent social change that occurs for as we've been discussing people that get involved in Bitcoin. And you know, he was kind of describing himself before as kind of. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but like typical sort of millennial shtick, right? Like just kind of spent money going out with friends and maybe on, on mm-hmm. kind of frivolous stuff that wasn't that important, consumption, et cetera. And, and then obviously the changes that occurred, you know, with Bitcoin. And I, I made the suggestion for the first time, it just kind of popped into my mind. But, you know, maybe prior to, to this phenomenon, like our generation, well, I don't want to assume your age, but let's say the millennial generation um, like we're a bit hopeless because couldn't like looked out on the world and saw to a certain degree the truth of the situation was kind of you know put off by it or saw all that the many ways in which they do not have independence and didn't really see a clear tract out of that situation and as a result became kind of like apathetic and and cynical and I yeah th- ap- apathetic c- cynical hedonistic right living only for today yeah you know not thinking about tomorrow not planning for your future the amount of people i know in our generation i'm around your age i'm 30 the amount of people i know in our generation that have uh, no savings no plan for savings no ability to save no ambition it's crazy it seems like everybody else in the world is in a race to occupy the victim position right which is a categorical race to the bottom yeah. And Bitcoiners are going the opposite direction. And, you know, a lot of people, too, people that listen to Jordan Peterson's message, pe- these people are becoming more responsible, more self-sovereign. And that's a race to occupy the top. 
you know, yeah. which is a fundamentally better race because that race drives human progress. For sure, for sure. And But I just think yeah. like this, you know, the emergence of Bitcoin is, again, one of the many reasons why it's it's becoming so, you know, popular and such a cultural phenomenon. It's like, I think for a lot of people, it is now like a pathway. They're like, and not just to, you know, to make money and be financially sovereign or whatever, but um, I, I don't know. I think they, they look out on the landscape and whereas before they saw kind of no means of, of changing this gargantuan monolithic system that kind of trapped them. And now seeing some light and being like, oh no, this like, we can, this can change things. And I'm, if I want to be a part of this, I need to change myself, uh, you know, to, to make the most of it, I guess. Yeah. Bitcoin changes us more than we'll ever change Bitcoin. It's kind of like Texas. Like Texas is the last state in the union that changes you before you could change it. You know, suddenly you moved out to Texas and you have fucking cowboy boots on, you have shotgun <laughs> in the back of your truck. You know? <laughs> Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the, is the exact same thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's 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 why I never got into the, the quote unquote crypto space as a whole, which I think is just Bitcoin and a bunch of scams. Um, no offense to anybody. Actually, tons of offense. Fuck all your shit. <laughs> fuck all your shit coins. Sorry about it. Um, you know, I just don't see anything that's an improvement on Satoshi's vision. And I, I just flat out mean that I haven't seen a goddamn thing. Yeah. I don't know anybody who's smart who sees anything either. Yeah. The minute I see it. You know, I'm I'm happy to look into it, but uh, haven't seen it yet. Well, it's also, I don't think I will. It's also the case that I mean, so much is being put out there, and for me, you know, we only have so much time in the day, especially to you know investigate technical sort of things. And I mean, is there a need to go looking for something else? Like, there's probably some legitimate projects in certain legitimate in certain categories out there. I mean, I, I don't know, but um, but is there a need? Like, I think the, the, the problem that Bitcoin is solving and the evident positive impact that it's having in so many different domains is like, let, we, we can like run with this one for quite a while, I think. Like, I think it's got a lot of road left that probably it's best to devote most of the attention to this because if, if, yeah. if this can get established properly, then man, you know, that's a lot of upside to be working with. I think, you know, maybe it's a bit greedy to be uh, wanting any more than that for now. Oh, totally. And I mean, you know, the Bitcoin, like people, okay, listen, Bitcoiners are greedy. <laughs> like all, like, like all humans, we're greedy. Do you think that I'm not greedy? No, I want as many Bitcoins as I can possibly get my hands on. Of course. Uh, right. And, you know, the beauty of Bitcoin's design is that it hijacks our greed. This is one of the beautiful things about uh, Satoshi's entire system is, you know, mining is hijacking greed for benefit of the system, yeah. which is the first time you've ever, ever seen that in an open decentralized computer uh, software system, you know, and greed is good, baby. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't be, sh don't be short term greedy. Yeah. Be long term greedy. Don't do some shitty pre mine and put out some crap coin and dump it on a bunch of people, you know? And I mean, dude, because I'm the, the Bitcoin guy, I, I get asked to help out with various things, right? And I'll tell you a story that's going to break your fucking heart because it broke my heart. There was this poor Colombian uh, my friends made. She was, I think she's like 42 or 43. And she had just come to this country. I forget how long ago. 
Um, and she got shilled on one of these ICO scams during oh. the 2017 boom. Oh, man. Right. And it was just, a, it was basically just a couple of guys that grifted her and they took $40,000 off her. I cannot remember the name of the coin. I wish I could, cause I would call out these fuckers. Um, they grifted her and I looked, this is the worst. I looked at the market cap of the coin. The market cap of the coin was $40,000. Uh, so I'm essentially, <laughs> I'm essentially assuming she was the only person they were able to get with the scam. And they got her, and she has almost no recourse. Fuck. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's... so that's brutal. I take a really hard, hard-line stance against this kind of thing. And Ethereum is just that on steroids. Times a million, you know? It gave everybody the capacity to do their own scams on top of it. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, with Ethereum, obviously, if, if any other coin has a claim... I mean, it's, it's, it's number two, but like I said, for me, I just... Bitcoin really ticks a lot of the boxes that were existing boxes for me prior to Bitcoin coming along. And then it also adds, yeah. adds a bunch of boxes that make me super excited. And it does it like in, I'm so, I guess, confident in what it represents that like I, I, I have no compulsion to search outside of it. You know what I mean? Like, a, man, Fuck Ethereum and fuck the talk to you and fuck everybody that's associated with that project. They're, they're slowly unwinding that scam because if they did it all at once, they would go to fucking jail. So they're going to do it as slow as they possibly can. They're going to keep kicking the can down the road with ETH 2.0 and, oh, we're doing staking. We're doing plasma. They're, doing, they're throwing the kitchen sink approach at this thing. And everybody's too stupid to figure out what's going on. And it takes too much time to refute their bullshit. So they're getting away with it, and it pisses me off. But do you, do you think it's, it's, that's their intention, or they're actually trying to build something that's just like way off base? You know, they're, they're, Vitalik, is too, Vitalik is too smart not to know what he's doing. Like, he is smart. Well, so you think he's a, a massive scam artist? Yeah, 100%. Biggest one in the space. Really? Uh, or maybe Justin, Justin's son, Tron, who's like a retarded <laughs> version of Vitalik. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... That's interesting. I don't pay enough attention to it to, to have any opinion one way or the other, but um, he just certainly doesn't. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing substantive being built on Ethereum, yeah. and they keep switching their narratives. And I don't know if you've noticed, but now they're taking Bitcoin's narratives and trying to graft them onto themselves. You know, they're saying they're a programmable store of money, and Ethereum's Austrian economics. It's like, no, you're not. I Shut saw the fuck that. Up. Some, someone tweeted that today, right? Or I think I, 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 you know, I would. It was that guy Ryan Adams who's a fuckface. I <laughs> I thought it was a troll I, or something like that. Uh, no, I, I think he's serious. I think he's actually co-opting. Uh, wow. He's at least partial. He's at least partially serious. They're serious about the programmable store of value part. Right. The rest of it is pro- probably a troll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you yeah. like? As it stands today, wh- like what about Bitcoin is. You know, because as Bitcoin grows and you grow along with it, like every so often you're kind of the thing you're excited about in it maybe morphs and changes, but also kind of mm. like your your little secret about it changes too. Like the thing that you like kind of aha in your mind that you didn't like an unlock, I guess, happens every so often. Like where are you at with, with the, that kind of dynamic today? I think some of the interesting Things that are happening are, uh, do you know about Steve Barber at Upstream Data and what they're doing? Yep. Yeah, so that's Super really cool. interesting. They're using, you know, they're using um, gas that would otherwise be flared into the atmosphere to produce Bitcoin mining, which basically makes Bitcoin this huge energy arbitrage engine or the world's greatest virtual battery, however you want to think about it. Yeah. So 
the you know, I think as we see um, more and more money pile into Bitcoin, it's going to increase the technologies that we know and depend on. Like, I think we'll see huge gains in energy and I think we'll see huge gains in um, I think Bitcoin might actually re-kick uh, Moore's law into effect. So we're going to see these companies like IBM and you know the big energy players start to compete uh, for Bitcoin infrastructure. And that's really exciting uh, to me. And I, I hope uh, it pans out the way I think it might pan out and kick off a new industrial revolution. Yeah, man. I, super, super awesome. You know, I actually just today was listening to Steve on some podcast. Forget the name. Host name was Brady. Sorry for that. Oh, but, uh, Citizen Bitcoin. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, he, of course. So what their product is awesome because they're just taking, you know, basically waste energy and, and turning it into value. But, you know, also the, the use case for kind of mobile Bitcoin mining is now like all these uh, renewable or, you know, let's say green energy resources like a, like a hydro dam, for example, or they can be built with the assumption that they're going to run at full capacity as much as possible. And then whenever, in, instead of having to be built for, you know, some ver some percentage of that, right? Like maybe they only right. assume they're going to be at full capacity 95% of the time, 80%, whatever. Now they can just like, what is the capacity of this site, whether it's sun or, or hydro or whatever, and just build it out and whatever the excess is just, you know, mine Bitcoin with it. It's, it's amazing. And obviously that's going to have a, you know, accelerating effect on, on renewable energy, I, I would imagine. Totally. And, you know, I'm always getting excited about new stuff in Bitcoin, but to be honest with you, man, nothing excites me more than thinking about poor people across the world being able to steal or, you know, being able to store their time and energy so that it's not stolen from them yeah. by these fucking vampires basically that are running our system you know and just outright steal yeah <laughs> and that that thought makes me warm and fuzzy inside and makes me want to keep going because you should have the ability to save and to plan and, and and you know this is global like if we as americans are feeling the pinch think about how it is to be i mean i've seen you travel around and you're in thailand and everything i haven't done a lot of world traveling myself but i know how it is and you know this this has got to be I, you know, it's it's so massive. I can't even really uh, it, comprehend it, it, what it's going to do do to the third world. Yeah, and I was I was speaking with my girlfriend tonight, and I'm all you know I'm always yapping to her about Bitcoin as all <laughs> of us probably are. But uh, and she, you know she she receptive, but she's not you know she's not she hasn't caught the virus. But I I was asking her like just check on you know Google Thai uh, Google or get on the app uh, the podcast app like. Are any people in Thailand, are there any like podcasts, YouTube channels, that kind of stuff in Thailand, in Thai language about Bitcoin? And she got on for a while and she was like, not really. Like this one guy, you know, someone had an episode of a finance uh, podcast that was on Bitcoin. It was like a couple other things, but I'm like, holy shit. Like it, it's, it's hard to imagine that, you know, it's, it's 80 million people, 80 million plus people in this country. And like you said, they're they're probably far more. They stand to gain far more from it than you know people in in fully developed Western um, economies. But there's still not that much awareness or penetration. Yes, yeah, so there's a thing that's become popular to say that you know we're all LARPing on Twitter when we talk about uh, you know banking the unbanked and all this kind of stuff. And you know, crypto people are LARPing. Like that's just how it is. I, I feel like 
Bitcoin is the only thing that's going to really um, help people by giving them a productive store of value. Who gives a shit about remittances? If you can't trust your government and you can't store your time and energy, what fucking good is a remittance? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Totally. And when you were saying that earlier, like, like you said, what money is supposed to be is a method of storing excess time, labor, energy expenditure, right? And whether that's excess right. energy expenditure from a hydro dam or excess energy expenditure from a human being, it's pretty much the same thing. And, and, and prior to, to Bitcoin, you know, if we, could, if we could say that we're trying to store that, let's say, our, our time and energy expenditure, this kind of ethereal sort of idea, we're trying to store it in something. We've been storing it in containers that like are super leaky, right? They leak yeah. Over time, they leak a lot of value. And what Bitcoin seems to be is like an airtight container so that if you have excess expenditure of time and energy resources, then this is the ideal container to put it in so that when you want to retrieve it later, it's exactly as it was in terms of, you know, it's uh, replicating what you put into it. And obviously, if not more based on market dynamics, you know. Right. And not only is it the ideal container, it's an infinite container. It can store as much value as we can put in it, which is just a truly mind-blowing thought. And this is like uh, Trace Mayer's thing about how Bitcoin is a black hole on the world's balance sheet. And it is. It's yeah. just eating fiat currency. And the more they print, the more goes into the black hole. Yeah. And I, you know, at this point, I, we shouldn't talk about Bitcoin as being inevitable because we should operate uh, you know, still considering it fragile so that we're defensive over it. Right. But Man, I got I got Bitcoiner to Bitcoiner. It feels pretty fucking inevitable. I know. <laughs> I know, man. Like from every angle, you know, like you every time you think about it, you're like, how does this thing get stopped? Like, you know, if if right. if it keeps working, the incentive structure is there and and the attacks usually make it stronger and the game theory is going to play out on every single level. Like yeah, how how does this I, stop? I took a I took a personality assessment one time that said that I was uh, 98th percentile disagreeable, <laughs> which means that if there's 100 people in the room, there's only two people more disagreeable than I am. So I came into Bitcoin super skeptical. I mean, as skeptical as you could possibly be. And every time I keep asking myself, you know, for five years I've been asking myself now, how is this thing going to fail? That's what and I ask I everybody that I, that I interview about. It's like, yeah. what's, what's the, how does it die? What's the main vulnerability? Like, tell me, tell me, tell me. Right. And I don't get a because lot of great answers, to be honest. No, it's it's like a, it's like killing a language or killing a song. Like you, you just can't kill it. It lives in the hearts and minds of the participants of the network, not only in code, but also on the wetware that we run within ourselves. Yeah. So I mean, good good luck. Fucking try it. Well, it makes me, <laughs> that's what I got. It makes me wonder if because I used to think about it like this is going to be a bumpy ride, and and it's all fun and games until like the real showdown, and then you know yeah then it's going to be serious and you like the the memes and all that kind of stuff might might be tempered and it might be a more serious endeavor but the other side of me thinks like anyone who seriously looks at this and is like kind of preparing the troops to attack you know preparing their army to attack is like will they not see that it's kind of uh like a fruitless endeavor and will they not like decide that capitulating early is the best approach to mitigating their loss, you know, Dude, against Bitcoin, other attackers. Bitcoin always surprises you to the positive. I mean, if you would have told me when I first got into this back in late 2014, 
that not only would I have my original investment paid back to me in the form of a dividend, Bcash, right? <laughs> but that five, five years from now, I would be seeing fifth pillar politicians who clearly fucking own Bitcoin yeah. and probably hang out on Bitcoin Twitter talk about it in the halls of US Congress. It's crazy. I mean, it's insane. So, like, yeah, this thing is going to go beyond our wildest uh, imagination. You know, there was, fuck, I forgot who said it. I think it was, maybe it was Nick Body. I can't remember who said it. But somebody said that, you know, how before the internet came about, all the world's information, you know, and when the internet came about, now we generate more than that information pre-internet every second. Bitcoin will generate more value than the world has ever seen before every second. Yeah, that's mind-blowing. <laughs> think about how mind-blowing that thought is, right? Like, I don't even know if we've seen Bitcoin go up yet. Right, I think we've right. only seen the, do the dollar go down. Yeah. Yeah, and, well, and, this, yeah. and this is, that's another one of the, the, the mind games that Bitcoin plays with you because, like, I mentioned that I, I remember it hitting parity with the U.S. dollar, and, like, I wasn't looking at it from an investment perspective at that point, fucking unfortunately, but... Um, but at every time you think like, oh man, I missed it. It went from a buck to 30 or like it went from a hundred to a thousand or like, and you're like, ah, I, I missed the big gains. I'm, you know, I, I missed it. I missed it. And you, obviously you you hear people say that over the last two years and, and today, I mean, Peter Schiff said it, uh, in his recent, uh, chat with Pomp, he was like, you know, I think I missed it. It's like, man, what are you going to be saying when it's a million bucks, you know? <laughs> That's that's the uh, that's Matt O'Dell's phrase: "Stay humble and stack sats." You know, that's the stay humble part. Right. You have to humble yourself. You have to humble yourself to get into Bitcoin. Yeah. You really do. That's because you have to. You have to check right. yourself. E yeah. Ego will I, ego will burn you in Bitcoin. It's burned me several times. But uh, oh, dude, when know. I when I got in back in the day, the guys who got in at a nickel and a quarter and two dollars and twenty dollars, I was like, I was so jealous. Yeah. And this was back in the low two hundreds. And now, now I now I post like buys from that time period on Twitter sometimes just for fun, and people are like, "Man, don't even show me this! Like, fuck you! Like, it's it's <laughs> jealous, it's jealousy inspiring." Well, and here's the cra here's the crazy part: your buys from twenty thousand will be jealousy inspiring right, soon enough. Right. Well, know? I was just gonna say, like, you know, when you when you post those screenshots of stacking like sats, you know, a point one, a point point oh one, something like that. And the and the you know the people are going to look back at that and be like, I can't believe you got it for that price, man. And you know, and today people are just like, okay, fine, fair enough. He's you know on a regular stack. It's not a tremendous amount, but it's just yeah. It, well, that's it, it's funny. Part part of the reason I do I do that is because you know like I've come out and I've told people and I've been like, listen, I have fucking billions of sats. Like it is what it is. <laughs> and people are always like, you shouldn't say that, man. That's bad opsec. And I'm like, here's the deal. I want the people on Twitter who are following me to know that I'm a real person who has real conviction, who's putting in a shitload of real money to this thing. And, you know, <laughs> your favorite influencer has less than one Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these guys, I listen to them talk. I saw their, I've been in the space a long time. I saw their brand, quote unquote, pop up, you know, a year and a half ago. And you can't trust what, what they're saying. It's like Mike uh, Bitstein's article, Everyone's a Scammer. Everyone wants your Bitcoin. Coins. This is the most scarce resource in the universe. We've never seen anything like this. It's a once in a species event, like Trace Mayer says. Like everyone is trying to steal from you, okay? Yeah. Except for the quote unquote toxic assholes called the maximalists <laughs> who are telling you to, Be careful. to fucking, you know, 
treat be careful and treat everybody like a scammer. Right. <laughs> but we're we're the toxic ones. It's insane. Yeah. I love it. Though. Yeah. And you, when, what you just mentioned, man, like I, I think about that often is, you know, and, and maybe maybe not once in a species. I don't know how to assess that. But let's let, if we can say like we've had a more or less a gold monetary standard for the human civilization up until now. Right. Uh, you know, not, notwithstanding our, the recent fiat, fiat fiasco, but <clears throat> human civilization, you know, kind of has been using gold in, in various places for a long time. And how right. m- momentous of a shift it is if we're if we're living in the time of the shift, and obviously we 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 would probably contend that we are, but like that is you know once in a five, once in a ten thousand year sort of occurrence. I mean, fuck, yeah. so just to be alive at that time yeah. is so cool. You know what's interesting? I have a different perspective on it. Well, similar perspective, but my my. Um, my perspective is we're living in a blip, um, a manipulative blip. And the last hundred years of centralization, maybe 150 years, have been a real uh, freak occurrence in the human species. Like, if you look at like some of the things we're seeing, like in news media, for instance, yeah. you know, before the last hundred years of centralization, yellow journalism ruled the day. Like the fake news that we're seeing now, we think that's a new phenomenon. No, that's as old as human time. That's since Gutenberg invented the printing press. And even before that, like people like to gossip. Yeah, that's just one of the facts of our our, our species. Um, but because newspapers all had regional monopolies, they wanted to protect their regional monopolies. So what did they do? They printed facts, and they tried not to make, um, you know, they tried not to rock the boat politically either direction. Mm-hmm. So they would be very quote unquote fair and balanced down the middle. And you know, we were probably getting propaganda from the government as part of that, but. It did seem like things were a little more factually based. And now we're seeing a reversion back to yellow journalism and people are freaking, <laughs> freaking out about it. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're going to see a lot of these shifts and some of them are going to be positive. Some of them are going to be negative. And I think Bitcoin is the big positive driving force. Yeah. That we're seeing. Well, anytime you have this kind of change, I mean, things get shaken up and, you know, the, the, it's going to be turbulent because you're shaking up yeah. existing structures and status quo and stuff like that. But but yeah, I'm I'm just crazy grateful to be alive during this time. And this is way it's not even tangential, it's just off base, but it came to my head is I'm sure you've heard of uh the um Bitcoin time traveler, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I sometimes like again when I'm when I'm getting lost in, in my own mind about this stuff, I'm like, what if that's real? You know, what if like somehow that like this thing and, and you may know that it's not real or maybe that's like been debunked. I'm not actually seriously suggesting it's real, but like <laughs> I play with myself. I'm, I'm like, what if, you know, like what if things get so fucking crazy? Like that turns out to be actually real. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, uh, what if we start using block times as the basis of all foundational time? You know what I mean? Interesting. Like things yeah. get Things get really weird really quickly when you go into a Bitcoin world. And by weird, I mean great. Yeah. Like we come from we come from shitty times. It's just how it is. Yeah. You know, I, and I think we all came of age during the financial collapse. A lot of us in the space who are in the millennial generation, which is a lot of us. Yeah. And um, it was psychologically scarring to us. I know it was to me. And, you know, any escape from that system where I could just, which it's so funny, people, you know, we went into the most volatile system that we could find, but uh, I think I think we all believe over time it'll, 
it'll decrease in volatility, et cetera, et cetera. But sure, sure. Um, any, any, any escape from that fundamentally broken system was like, yes, a lifeboat. Yeah. You know, I've been looking for this. And it's yeah. just another, you know, I mentioned kind of the, the mystique of, of Bitcoin by having an anonymous creator and that makes it feel right. You know, just the, the, whatever you want to call it, the fate or the appropriateness or the, uh, the necessity of it emerging at precisely that time. You know, it's just, it yeah. makes the story so beautiful. It's going to be retold someday and like people are going to, you know, kids in the classroom are going to just be wide eyed and be like, whoa, like, you know, they're going to be told all the kind of like cool and, and elements of this story. And they're going to be like, that's so cool. It would have been so awesome to be around then. You know, isn't that interesting? It's almost like this is the modern day version of manna from heaven. You know, it's almost like a gift from God. Right. Um, I mean, it has that, that which is, mystique. Which, yeah. That's why I think that, you know, we should all have our Spartacus moment if they ever do unmask Satoshi. And we should just all be like, you know, I'm Satoshi. No, I'm Satoshi. No, I'm Satoshi. Because we should keep that mystique going forever. I, I agree. We don't, yeah. but, but it seems, we don't need to know who Satoshi is. You know? It seems like most people in the space feel that way, right? Like I don't hear on a lot of podcasts or anything like that, like people asking like kind of OGs in the space, like who do you think Satoshi is? Like that seems like a kind of taboo question to ask. Yeah, I have. we all have a short list of who we well, think sure, it is. Sure, sure, but, but we, all... we, we don't kind of publicly <laughs> right. question people, you know? Right, right. And it's not, we kind of don't um, badger those people who we think it is. Yeah, you I, know? I, asked, I think I asked it uh, to the first time I ever spoke with Bobby Lee, I think I asked him that time. It was in 2015, and, and he said, um, I think I know, but I'm going to keep it to myself. And I was like, yeah. okay, cool. I feel I feel the same way. I have my own theory, but I'm not going to share it. Yeah. Um, so where where do you go to like when you want to learn more about Bitcoin? Do you just kind of see what's being published on on crypto Twitter, or do you like have resources that you go to kind of enhance your understanding and stuff? Yeah, man. I think Bitcoin Twitter is the ultimate uh, resource. Crypto Twitter is a cesspool full of morons. Sorry, so I wouldn't Bitcoin go there. Bitcoin Twitter. Bitcoin Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but I would follow. Um, I would follow Bitcoin only people in order to get a real deep understanding of what's going on. You know, crypto Twitter widely is just people trying to unload their bags on you. Right. <laughs> so why go there to get a shitty infomercial pitch? Yeah. You know? um, but yeah, all the developments happen on uh, on Bitcoin Twitter and. They used to happen, you know, in the forums and everything and trying to, man, it's so much easier than it was back in like late 2014, early 2015 when I was getting in, you had to, you know, go through the forums and try and, you know, think through this stuff. And I, like, I would spend hours, hours reading, um, you know, Reddit or Bitcoin talk or whatever it was and, you know, bat, you know, annoying my wife and being like, <laughs> Well, burst in the room and be like, Craig you Maxwell know what just happened? And, yeah, and he said that, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's such a thought virus, man. It just, you know, it's like when you were, when you hit me up about doing a podcast, I was like, fuck yeah, a chance to talk about Bitcoin? Like, let's do it. I, <laughs> it's all I ever think about, and I'm surrounded by people in real life who, who don't give a shit. Yeah, know? it really is, man. And and like 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 I've been saying this whole discussion about you know my when I have episodes of fantasizing about it, which is often, it's like, I don't, it, there's so many different like folds and contours and things to it, you know. And you, it's like an endless. I mean, if you get off on that kind of stuff and thinking about yeah. you know that and the technology and social change and individual change. 
just just playing with that thing and seeing how it affects and could affect and all of those things it's i mean it's endless oh my god it's you know I, uh, I, we, I think I, I felt like I missed the internet and now I feel like I'm so glad I, I was born exactly when I was born. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm so happy to be here and be experiencing this. And I, I honestly think what we're doing is historic and people are going to think that's grandiose, but I think people are going to look back, like they won't look back on my account because I keep getting deleted, <laughs> but they'll look back on a lot, a lot of these conversations on Bitcoin Twitter and they're going to be like, Oh my God, this is when it happened. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> it's as though you could read what Socrates was saying in the public square, you know, that's what it'll be like. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's insane. I I love it. Yeah, me too. We've been doing this for 90 minutes now, so I appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure you got a lot more better things to be at, but, uh, but yeah, this was fun, man. I, I, although I don't know your name and, and haven't seen your face, uh, seems like we got a lot in common. So, uh, thanks for, are are you, are you based in Thailand? Yeah. 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 Oh, nice, man. And I saw you do Muay Thai too. Are you a fighter? Uh, not yet. I'm, I'm training for my first one, but, uh, I just like doing it, man. I mean, it's so much. Fun. Have you ever done it? No, fuck no, dude. I'm not, I'm not ballsy enough. I'm not, I carry a gun at all times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting in a street fight with anybody. No, but I mean, even if you don't compete, man, like just the, the, the work, cause I used to go to the gym and shit when I was younger and like, it's just so fucking boring. I go in from like station to station. So oh, yeah, yeah. I got involved in it and it's just like, it's a awesome workout. It keeps you fit. It's fun. You learn all the time. So, um, and that's just one of the many amazing things about Thailand. I mean, the, the food is great. And my girlfriend's here, so it's 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 a pretty nice place to be. But, but yeah, hopefully uh, end of this month, uh, I'll uh, get in the ring and mix it up for the first time. You're doing it right, dude. Living in a cheap place like that and stacking sats is the way to go. You know. Yeah, it's uh, I can't complain, man. It's we live across the street from the beach and drink fresh coconuts on the daily and go for walks on the beach uh, at six p.m. and so, you know, Dude, it's a it's a nice place to be. Awesome. I mean, I miss I, you do miss like hustle and bustle if you're only in this sort of environment, but for the time being, it's uh, it's pretty sweet. So, no complaints. Yeah. where'd you come from? Where'd you come from before? Uh, I'm from Newfoundland, Canada. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, but I've been living in uh, Shanghai for the last seven-ish years. A uh, little stint in Beijing as well. So I've been in China for most of the last decade. Man, do you worry about what's going on back in Canada? Because it seems to be even worse than what's going on here. Dude, like, I, I realized a, while, a long time ago that, because when I first went down like the rabbit hole of how the world works like when i was you know fucking 18 19 20 you know get on a youtube yeah. binge for five fucking days or something like that like right, I, right. Uh, and of course you know there's a lot of bullshit out there but you you end up being able to kind of parse and understand like how things more or less work um yeah you know I, it just bummed me out hugely i was like fuck you know that kind of hopelessness that that i was talking about earlier that that kind of bitcoin oh, yeah. I, I think is maybe is maybe turning around but I realized like, well, first of all, that really sucks. And I get really bummed out when I think about all that kind of stuff on the, on the flip side, like I wake up in the morning and nobody's on my back. Like, um, I can walk out the door and do whatever the fuck I want. And if it's a beautiful day, I can enjoy that. Or, you know what I mean? So I just decided like, I got to focus on the good shit because there's a, there's a, there's a hell of a lot of bad shit. And if I just focus on that all the time, I'm going to be miserable um so oh, totally. that's why like whether it's canada the u.s i mean what's going on in china right now is pretty scary as well um yeah. 
like I I I pay I I keep tabs on it because I want to be informed, but I try not to be too invested in it, which is probably why I don't live in <laughs> I don't have to be invested in it because I don't live in the country, but um but yeah, I mean it it's it's all concerning, man. What's going on with speech around the world? What's going on with politics oh, yeah. around the world? What's going on with... And the thing, the crazy thing, man, is like you can be convinced if you're in your own little bubble that like it's just kind of like the... It's just the political dialogue or it's just the mainstream media. But like when I... I hate to say this to any friends that are listening, but when I go home um, <laughs> and, I, and I hang out with people and not all obviously but like i'm i'm usually pretty surprised at how pervasive like the kind what i would describe as like kind of fucked up thinking or or you know oh man that's maybe a bit harsh but you know what i'm saying like that kind of the, the, the thing that you just asked me about am i scared about like that thing I, I didn't realize that like normal people that i consider myself like the same as more or less or like you know that i grew up with or friend social group or whatever like actually are are into that like that's how they yeah they think you know and 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 i'm the type that's going to get into the arguments at at you know social gatherings and stuff with people and i and that's kind of why I, I kind of withdraw from it a bit because like i know that if someone if i'm in a, in the vicinity of someone like making a ridiculous claim then i'm gonna you know i'm, I'm gonna engage not like in a hostile manner but i'm i'm, I'm gonna press and um, yeah and it just ends up being like this thing where like I, I, you get to a brick wall where you're like, there's no logic or reason here. So there's really no conversation that can be had. So I guess I just won't bother myself with having them. I spent, you know, I spent a lot of my, a lot of my time, man, thinking about um, how I can rewrite the software that people have stuck in their brain. And, you know, there's no good answers for it. It's, you know, thought viruses are real and, and they attach totally. themselves to people and, and they can really, man, they can make your entire life just so much worse. Yeah. You know, I, I, I went through this with my father who died last year and he, um, he always just, you know, he had that upbringing, tough upbringing. He always just felt worthless. And I saw him die and still have this worthless feeling attached to himself. Right. And I was, I just, you know, I wish I could have shown him, you know, DMT and all these things. <laughs> he would have never fucking done it. You know, there's no way. Yeah. But, uh. I was, I was just like, man, you, you didn't have to go through your whole life feeling worth, worthless. Come on. You could have snapped out of it at the end here at least, you know? Yeah. So, you know what, man? It's from, scary to me that those thought viruses can attach themselves to people and then cling on to your last breath. Yeah. That's so scary. And, and, you know? and they, they, they take you over, right? Like, and I think, you know, Peterson's kind of made this case before in that like people, and this happens in many different ways and forms, but people become ideologically possessed, and it, you're no longer speaking with like the the rational, independent consciousness in human form in front of you. You're you're speaking with someone who's regurgitating uh, like a prog like a, a program that's been embedded in them. You know what I mean? And I know that yeah. sounds harsh. Well, and I could get a lot of criticism yeah. for seeming like up on my high horse, being able to judge everybody like that. But I, you know it's pretty hard to make the case that that's not pr happening a lot in today's world. Well, you seem like a, you seem like a pretty smart guy. And so you, I think you've come to a lot of the same conclusions that I've come to. And, uh, you know, but I think we all watch the same material. Like, do you ever watch the zeitgeist films when you're well, going down your well, YouTube you know, rabbit hole? Back thing? in the day, for sure. You know, like, I, yeah, I, right, right. 
and we, I think we watched those and we're, you know, we're like, yeah, kinda, not really, <laughs> you know, but s- some people watch that kind of shit, man. And they just convince themselves that reptilians were running the, right, <laughs> the world right, and, right. you know, all this kind of crazy stuff, well, you know, that, you know and that sh- we should just print money, you know, like that shit is good because it like it sparks maybe some, some like it sparks some interest it brings some things to right, light that right. you may not have considered before but like you're gonna have to show me like i'm gonna need to see a lot more evidence and then i'm yeah no matter what i'm still gonna have to put it through my own like meat grinder and if it if it comes out and it's i think it's legit then i'll hold it as legit until proven otherwise and if not then you know i'll, I'll, I'll let it go but yeah that's and, one of the powerful think- things about about Bitcoin, man. It's like when I first got into Bitcoin, you know, I heard all these things about the chain, it's immutable and everything. And then I would just put on, you know, block explorers and just watch blocks propagate for myself. Right. And, you know, I just sit there while I was doing other stuff on the computer and just watch the network propagate. And I was just like, okay, this is insane. I'm just verifying this, uh, you know, for myself. It's crazy. And then yeah. my, my lived experiences from the past, you know, led me to all this. Do you, do you, do you ever do, we're about the same age. Did you ever do SETI when you were a kid? The uh, satellite or the search for extraterrestrial intelligence? What do you mean do it? It's a place, right? Well, no. SETI was a, had a program that we that everybody would run on there uh, as a screensaver in the oh. late 90s, early, early 2000s. And you were contributing basically hash power to SETI's search. Really? And so it was this, yeah, it was this awesome thing that you were part of where you were like, you know, I'm, I'm helping search for extraterrestrial intelligence, you know? And uh, Bitcoin is kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, by running my node, right. I'm helping, you know, usher, usher in this golden age of humanity. Totally. You know? Totally. But man, I think, yeah. you know, back to that, that point about why people are like that. I think a lot of it comes from, you know, people being really uncomfortable with uncertainty or with not knowing or with, with you know, with not having an answer for things. And as a result of that, just kind of clutching at whichever one is most, you know, um, you know, whatever the popular one is, whatever the easiest one that would attract yeah. the least amount of criticism and attention is, you know, so like what, whatever, whatever it is, people don't want to seem stupid or uninformed or incompassionate or whatever it is. So they'll just align with whatever, you know, the, the, the dominant uh, way of thinking. And therefore, you know, you can, you can avoid uh, criticism and you can stay in the comfy thing. And, you know, for me, for me, right. that's just, that's never been a concern. Like I, I've never cared about, uh, like for me, un- not knowing the question mark is like almost a holy thing. Like I'm, I'm all about the questions, you know? And I, uh, I think, I don't know why some people seem to have like a, a more innate curiosity than, than others. Uh, you know, something I've thought about a lot because, you know, I've always been just insanely curious and that leads mm-hmm. to me, that leads to me wasting a lot of time, maybe being having a bias toward learning instead of action, which is not always beneficial. So that, like, there's downsides for sure, but uh, it does mean that your mind remains open and that you, you know, like you, you figure things out for yourself. And like you were saying, like you, you, one of the things you're fascinated by is that whatever that unlock is for getting people to like, you know, let go of a mind virus or think differently about a certain thing. For me, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that question is. It's super hard, obviously, but it does happen, yeah. which is why you know whether it's Bitcoin or psychedelics or whatever. And I, and I want to know, like, what is that thing that happens that makes it happen that that unlocks? But um, but yeah, it, it's. Uh, 
it's, it's one of those things like why, why are some people just kind of seem to be born with a, a more open mind, some with a, a more closed mind? Like, who knows? It's also your environment, the content you consume, you know, all those kind of things. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, I don't know if you're familiar with any of John Haidt's work, but John Haidt a is bit, a, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, Harvard social psychologist. And, you know, basically the crux of his work is that we have feelings and then we spin reasons for them using our neocortex sure. because our limbic system is much more evolved than our neocortex. So you go, you know, when you functionally, uh, you know, you do fMRIs on people, you ask them, you know, what ice cream do you want? They say chocolate. And then you ask them why, and they confabulate an answer. So chocolate's healthier. It has antioxidants, whatever. Um, but they, their brain decided it six seconds ago, you know, before they even said it. Right. So their feelings are just like chocolate's good. Right? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then, you know, your rational mind goes into press secretary mode for right. your feelings. And it's like, well, here's the thing, antioxidants. I read an article about that. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I think a lot of what we do is just not, we don't want to lose face in front of people and people have a hard time, um, accepting that, you know, Maybe you're not in control of your thoughts and feelings. Right. You know what just I mean? constantly trying to rationalize your existence. Like your your rationalize what your expression of yourself is, you know? And I you know, right. I get it. Right. I mean we've all had moments or prolonged periods or reasons for insecurity and, and noticing how that manifests in behavior. But uh yeah, I I just think being as as aware as po you got to be aware of that shit as as possible, and I think that's ultimately beneficial. But you know what, man? And on the last point about all this stuff is the same thing that I've, I'm currently, you know, that I'm sure as we've talked about, we've experienced when we talk about Bitcoin with other people. I remember, and I've since let go of this pretty much, and and just deferred to making content around it, and people can can take it for what it is. But with psychedelic, right. with with psychedelics, um, you know. 15 plus years ago when it started becoming important to me uh like i said like i was like holy fuck like how do, oh, yeah. how do people not know about this how is it not like on the front page of the paper and i'd, I'd be so like intent on trying to get people to like believe or see or understand what the hell i was saying to them without coming off as like a, a crazy mm -hmm. druggy like fruit loop or something and uh <laughs> And but but and it's the exact same thing, you know. Like uh, you just met with a brick wall. Like that information or that, it's just not allowed in. Like you, you for some people, like there's no access. And then other, oh, and, totally, totally. And, but then totally. on the other hand, you get people that like you encounter that they're super curious, and then the door is wide open, and you can have a really interesting conversation. And you know, on, uh, as an as an aside, that seems to be what's happening now with this kind of psychedelic renaissance. Is like for whatever reason, more and more people are are starting to ask those questions. Like, well, maybe this stuff like isn't just for weirdos, and maybe there's there's some there's some legs to this, and maybe it's worth me knowing about and understanding a bit better, and all that kind of stuff. So, man, did you ever have that moment where somebody was like, you know, you had that you had that magical transcendent experience, and then? You came down from the mountaintop and tried to explain it to your friend, and they were just basically like, yeah, "Okay, put the bong down, bro." Yeah, and oh, just like, oh, obviously, I've had fuck that. Fuck you, man! <laughs> like, fuck you. <laughs> many, you just, many you know, times. People are still in the cave, man. You can't. You gotta. Exactly. You know, exactly. But you know, but you I can't I, be told I, what the matrix is. You know? Right. Exactly. But I check. You know, I I don't I don't speak in that language too often because like. I was on the other side of, of someone 
being adamant about something in the past too. And like when when mm-hmm. when I didn't see it and they were adamant, I was just like, well, this guy's a dick, or like he thinks he's super smart, or what an ego, or what a whatever. So like again, that's why I kind of those conversations are great if people like really want to have them. But otherwise, I'm just going to do my thing. And if it if people are attracted to it and like uh, gain anything from it, then that's awesome. And if not, then you know, I'm not really here to convince anybody of anything. Well, you sound like you're a good, like you have a teacher's mindset, which is something I don't have. I'm just like, hey, here's how it is. Here's how it is, fuckers. Deal with it. Well, yeah. man, I, I, I'm thoroughly entertained by uh, the brief exposure to your tweets that I've gotten thus far, and I'm, I'll be keeping track of them ongoing. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't change. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't. Thanks for, the, uh, thanks for the great conversation, brother. Yeah, man, you too. And uh, let's do this again in uh, six to 12 months. I'm sure there'll be lots more to talk about then. Totally. Anytime. All right. Take care, brother. All right. Thanks, John. Cheers.